Ways of healing. If your dreams are plagued by mice, hot lavender porridge in the morning, if a sinister heart settles over the village, if a child's cries are thick with illness, rub unbroken eggs and rosemary sprigs across their body, wave an eagle's feather any time you sense their fear for broken bones, pass the child through a cleft in an ash sapling for a broken heart, place rose quartz beneath your tongue, grip your mouth shut, hope for the best after a negative pregnancy test find a wet hill to roll down pout your lips whilst you roll kiss the ground as much as possible lie down in a bush of milkweed let its pearly sap ooze over your sunspots in damage there is healing my mother recommends rubbing hot vinegar across my breasts i'm not sure what for before a party stuff your bra with cabbage leaves for perkier nipples trust me to draw blood from the earth bury a spoon in the garden a clover will grow pluck it place it on your tongue it should dissolve leaving behind a metallic taste the morning after a breakup strip down to your underwear on a public beach walk into the winter waves this is as close as you'll get to being vulnerable again du cinéma se répètent par terre. La foule sort, se disperse. Reste deux femmes et un parapluie au coin de la rue. Papotage féminin. La Hi and welcome to another episode of Poetry Tears podcast. Hello. Um, today we have Charlotte Shevchenko Knight on the podcast. Hi Charlotte. Hello. <laughs> Charlotte is a British Ukrainian poet with a master's from Goldsmiths University. She was recently commended in the National Poetry Competition and forms part of the Poetry Translation Center's Undertow 8. Her work centers on womanhood, Ukrainian history, and folklore. She has written pieces for the United Nations, Magma and Bath Mag, amongst others. And so Ways of Healing is her first poetry collection. Yeah, which we have here. So we're delighted to talk to you today about, about your poetry book. And um, I think the first question that we wanted to ask you is how you started poetry. Like, what's your what's your story with poetry? Oh, um, I was talking to someone about this the other day. Um, I think I was like 15 and I was like, I'm going to write the great novel. <laughs> and I tried so hard to write this I was I, I don't know what I was doing really um, I didn't know what I was doing at the time and I found that I was more interested in language than I was plot and um, so I started reading some poetry and I realized that's where where I kind of felt I was more leaning towards and I just didn't have a lot of exposure to it so I started reading a lot of poetry around then and then when I was 16 um, I came to England and I started a creative writing A-level and the tutor there was really encouraging and would take me to poetry events and get me to enter competitions and it kind of just started from there. Mm. So quite young then you started poetry? Yeah it's it's been 10 years now which is quite weird <laughs> to think about but yeah um, I think like as a kid, I was very like lonely and that was my way. Sorry. <coughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, I felt quite lonely as a child and it was like 
my way of understanding other people was kind of through reading and writing. Did you read a lot of poetry growing up or is that something that you came to later on? It was definitely something I came to later on. I had no idea about it, really. Um, I think my my parents aren't really readers. Um, they, they don't really care too much for it. Um, so I was just trying to find what I could when I'd go to a bookshop. I didn't really have much background knowledge. Um, so, yeah, no, I think it was the joys of being on Tumblr as a teenager <laughs> that then introduced <laughs> me to poets. What did you think of poetry in school because we have a lot of feedback from poets we interviewed who didn't relate to poetry in school really yeah I found that with doing my A-levels here um, that we were looking at a lot of the romantic poets and I had no interest in it and I, I kind of still don't um, I like I can totally appreciate it but I find myself continually drawn to I'd say probably poetry from the 50s 60s onwards um, and for me, that comes with like the the rise of the confessional poets. So I, there's something that I can really like relate to there in terms of um, not emo like Wordsworth has this like phrase, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it's that poetry is the like as an emotional outburst. And I didn't find that when reading the romantic poets. I found it when reading the confessionals. Um, like Sylvia Plath and Anne Sexton, there, there was just something there that was more revealing and kind of there was something more at stake. Um, and that's what I'm interested in. It's like, um, th this is maybe a silly comparison, but I, for instance, I don't like video games because the adrenaline that I get from that stresses me out. But the adrenaline I get from writing a poem that's personal, to me, that's that's the real thrill. <laughs> Wow. So yeah. So you, it's a real experience for you when you do when you actually are writing. It's not like a, it's not like a uh, kind of sanitary process. I'd say <laughs> it's really involved. No, no. It's definitely like rooting into your emotions and trying to find out. Well, why do I care about this? What like why am I writing about this? I obviously care. Why do I care? And and digging into yourself. Yeah, you um, on your on your Instagram you have a you have a quote there where it says um, uh, poetry presents us with a sense of truth, and I thought I thought what was interesting mm. about that is the is the use of sense rather than truth, you know. Yeah, poetic truth and factual truth are two very different things, but I think. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I wrote this whole thing for the Poetry Translation Center, and it was sort of around the time of um, when, the, when the war started in Ukraine this year. Um, and I was thinking about, there's so many poets over there still writing and, and campaigning and hosting events despite all the chaos around them. And it's because it's a way of dealing with that emotional truth that we're carrying. Uh, you know, you can't, I think when you're trying to put something into words in a conversation, you might seem neurotic or um, like you're not making sense, but poetry is sense making, even if it isn't, for example, grammatically correct, it, you know, that there's a sense of truth in there. Mm. And you found a rural right um, in the in the um, about the Ukrainian war. So you wrote an article for the United Nations and you've been on TV as well yes yeah yeah I I had to do I, I mean at the time I felt so kind of 
hopeless and I was very stressed out. My family were still there and I was trying to figure out what I could do to get the word out. So I did things like um, I did a New York Times interview. I wrote for the United Nations. Um, we did a fundraising event um, called Poets for Ukraine. And that was an online thing. People could donate whatever they like to come watch. And we raised something kind of ridiculous that I didn't expect poetry could do. And it also kind of brought me to a lot of other poets who are of similar background to me. So either British Ukrainian or um, Ukrainian American um, who are experiencing this bizarre conflict of identities um, at a time where it's really apparent. Um, sorry, I'm kind of losing track of it. But poetry was kind of the one thing that kept me grounded throughout all of that because it was something I could throw myself into and hopefully make some difference, be it big or small. Yes, for sure. I um I started writing my new collection in October of last year, um, which was predominantly going to be about the Holodomor, which is a famine that occurred in Ukraine in 1932. Um, and I started to see a lot of parallels between um, sort of Soviet interactions with Ukrainians then and Russian interactions with Ukrainians now. So the collection has evolved a lot into it it tracks back from 1932 to today so it's it's stretching across different eras um but yeah I, I've, a lot of content has come out of that and I almost feel guilty in a way because I feel I don't know like when you go to read at a poetry event um I see my friends will read poems that make people like laugh or, you know, love poems. And then I come on stage and I'm like, here's my poem about the war. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, it's hard, but I do feel it's necessary too. Mm. Yeah, the, I think there is room for a diversity of poems and poetry mm. and, and feelings in, in the poetry space, you know, poetry events. So... Yeah, have yeah, you, yeah, for sure. Have you always had such a tight uh, connection with Ukraine in terms of, you know, like being there, going there, it being conscious in your identity? Yeah, I mean, um, as a child, so I grew up in Spain. I lived there for 10 years. Um, we would go every summer um, for Independence Day in Ukraine. So that's like, I think it's the 23rd of August. I might be Where did you go in Ukraine? But... Um, uh, Kiev, so the capital, my my family were living there. And we would do this big event every year, like all the family friends would gather, we, we would go to a restaurant in the forest. And we'd have our headdresses on and like, you know, you've got vizhivankas, which are like these tunics that are embroidered with um, your local pattern. So each district has their own sort of embroidery. Um, yeah, it was always kind of, it, I, I think when I was younger, I felt almost embarrassed by it because it it harks to a different time, right? The, these sort of celebrations. And um, I didn't really share that a lot with people. It was only October last year, I was on an Arvon course in Devon. 
and I was continuing to write poems like the ones in Ways of Healing and Fiona Benson who is now my mentor she was teaching me there at the time and she said to me you know I can't give you any feedback on these poems because it feels to me that you already know what you're doing with them there's nothing to change to them and she said you need to challenge yourself what is something that you're afraid of writing about and I said Ukraine and she went okay well let's start from there and so it's been an ongoing process of um I, I write I I probably write about eight poems a month for it and then Fiona and I call every two weeks to go over it together um it feels very like it's a strange one. When I was writing Ways of Healing, I was very alone in that process. It's so different now to approach a new collection with someone else there to carry you through the process. Um, maybe carry is not the right word, but if I'm stuck, there's someone I can fall back on. Yeah, so she's your first reader. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the best one too. Um, I feel like she... Oh, sorry. It's so vital to have that uh, that that mirror. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, because she knows me as well, so she knows what I'm trying to achieve. Um, yeah, yeah, it's really, really important to have that, and makes me feel supported. And it's hard when you're writing something so difficult, but she she really holds my hand. Mm. Do you have explicit poems about Ukraine or? Ukraine. they're all yeah they're all um so I've just had two come out in the poetry review um about the famine um and yeah it, it, I was surprised that they took them because they are graphic mm. um depictions of of that any in, in of ways of healing name. or it doesn't Sorry? come out any do you have, do, have you written any in ways of healing or does Included that come in. out Oh, in ways of healing, um, not explicitly. There's, you know, there's elements of it with sort of folkloric kind of references. That's always something that I I remember once someone at uni accused me of living in a poem because I thought romantically, and I wanted to tell her, well, that's just being Ukrainian. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's nice. <laughs> Do you want to read uh, a poem of the collection? Yeah, yeah, please. Um, I was thinking about this a lot. I think I'd quite like to read Clinic the Winter Self, if you're happy with that. Yeah, absolutely. Clinic the Winter Self, part one. Running into the sea fully clothed is a symptom. So are the crowds forming, the perpetual sunsets and sharp applause. I am sick with wanting. I just want to hold a child in the snow. I want to dab their face with antibacterial wipes. Part two. After my January swim, which was more a thrashing in the waves lost in television static, I buy a coffee made the wrong way. Milk first. Wet silk beige gossamer twirling around a cup. I think back to the clinic, paper cups atop a water cooler bubbling with mild anger. I just want an answer. Is depression a glitter? Does my empty womb mean something? Part three. 
I was born in January. My mother was afraid to take me outside for fear I would inhale cold air and freeze from the inside out. I picture my childhood self as a small instrument made of glass into which air and spit is blown. It produces an awful whistling, which can only be heard by dogs. I am afraid of the sounds I make, the ways in which my body alienates others. I am afraid of the ceaseless winter of myself. That's phenomenal. Thank you. I think a common thread that comes back in your in this collection is uh, children having a child. Yes. Yeah. Do you want to uh, expand on this? Yeah, um, so it's not a fun one, but um, I had lost a pregnancy a few years ago and didn't tell anyone and um, was just very alone in that. And I started my master's at Goldsmiths and we were being asked to bring work into class and I just didn't feel I could because the only thing I was writing about was the thing I was keeping secret. Um Eventually, I did start taking them to class and just saying that they were works of fiction um, and got some very strange feedback. Sort of people, people were viewing the poems as at times violent, pessimistic, um, and basically not the attitude someone's meant to have towards these ideas of, of childbearing, right? That's interesting. Um, so, so they were giving you like emotional feedback rather than technical yeah. feedback. Yeah. And that's, that was a strange one noticing the minute a woman's body is brought into a poem or a woman's autonomy, it suddenly doesn't matter too much what you're doing craft wise. It's, it's more about how you're presenting yourself. Um, that was a strange one to contend with, but I just, um, I just ignored it, which maybe isn't the best thing to do when you're meant to be receptive to feedback. But no, I, I just thought you're all wrong and I'm allowed to feel the way I'm allowed to feel. And I think I'm expressing it correctly. Did you feel like a set of social expectations around how you would feel, how you have to mm. feel around pregnancy? And... Yeah, definitely. And that was even, that was sort of exacerbated by the fact that I hadn't told anyone it was true. <laughs> um, so it was, um, yeah, it was very much an odd one. Um, but I'm I'm happy now with how, how I've managed to piece that together in the collection. Yeah. Um, and the poem uh, Moonfather won a prize, right? Yeah, Moon Daddy. Um, it, uh, it was in the National Poetry Competition in 2019. Um, how many po uh, how many poems did you enter for it? Just the, the one. Just just the one, yeah. So you, um, you felt very strongly about that one, yeah. I wrote it. <laughs> I think it was eight minutes before the deadline. It was a first draft, and I just sent it in. So that had some real uh, energy in it. That had some real yeah. lightning. I was like, go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's interesting. Yeah. So did um, you hear about this competition from from your masters? Um, no, no, I sort of I was always aware of it. It's it's run by the Poetry Society and I've been a member since I was about 18. Um, I used to go to events at the Poetry Cafe when that was up and running. So I was always sort of aware that that was something that was running and, and that 
it had a very good sort of I mean if you're one of the winners you get a lot of opportunities coming out of that but I never felt confident enough with my work until I'd written Moon Daddy and then I was like well you know what just just send it off and if it doesn't work it doesn't work but it did work so so that was a relief so that's a lesson right submit your work you don't know what happened you should um the deadline this year is the 31st of October and I implore everyone to try because if you don't try you don't know Mm. do you want to tell us about the construction of the book I think it's quite relevant in the the way each poem is chosen yeah I mean there was the sort of sense of like I need to have a narrative here um they weren't written all in this like order, but I had to think about chronologically what would make sense. So it begins with Moon Daddy, Mother of Pearl, and Clinic, the Winter Self. So these are three sort of lost poems. Um, the the point of Ways of Healing is that y- you go through this loss and and you, and you find a way out of it, right? Which is why it ends with Ways of Healing, and in between you have all the <laughs> sort of love poems, I guess, which I don't really do anymore. I have a strict no love poem policy. Um, but, so you don't, um, so you don't agree sense. with your friend then? <laughs> Ella. Oh, Ella. Yeah, yeah, she says every poem's a love poem. Yeah, we've had arguments <laughs> about this. Oh, are you Ella. the friend she was talking about? <laughs> yeah, no more love poems. Yeah, we had a huge row over it. She said, every poem is a love poem. And I said, every poem is about war. <laughs> <laughs> and the truth lies somewhere in between. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that there is a truth somewhere, yeah, in the middle of it all. <laughs> yeah, Um. so would, would you like to read Moon Daddy? Yeah, of course. Moon Daddy. Today, the doctor asked if I was planning on keeping it. Right now, it is a grainy little moon, distorted by dark waves that I know, with the slightest change of tide, might pull us closer together. Being in love is like drowning in space, oh baby. You gaslight me so hard. The days when you pretend we do not know each other Fill me with all this understanding for foxes, screaming in the night for want of sex. Imagine your reaction to something concrete, proof of a world in which we have both existed momentarily, even if it is just this, this malformed pearl ready to be crushed. Wow, that's great. So it just so it just brings to mind my you know what what I think is the kind of um you know the scan you go for right like um, yes yeah it's the ultrasound yeah yeah is that is that does that is that part of your thinking behind it yes for sure the distorted the distorted waves you know um that that was kind of the central image and then I was thinking of the implications surrounding that image so what's happening outside of that and and how does that tie it together. And the what from looking at the poem here as you've been reading it on the page, it, mm-hmm. it looks really important the way it's laid out, like formatting, actually the way that it's written. How how important is that to you, the the formatting of a poem, you know, as oh, opposed to speaking it, I suppose. Massively, yeah. I with this one, you know, that you've got the gaps between certain lines. 
Um, and for me, it was about this sense of like being separated from from something. Um, yeah, and 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 the singular lines of you know drowning in space and the malformed pearl. It's the the form is trying to reflect isolation in in many ways, if that makes sense. And it's, and I think so. This is the poem that you wrote in how many minutes? Eight minutes. <laughs> so I mean. That's incredible. That's incredibly lucky or incredibly yeah. skillful. Or, I no, mean... I agree. Normally a poem takes me months. Um, this one was just, I think when you reach the beginning of an idea, uh, you know, there's, there's this is sudden excitement and outburst of energy. And that's what that was. Yeah. Um, and I, I just wonder how much of this was kind of gestating in your mind as well, you know, subconsciously before like leading I up think, to this. Yeah, I really agree with that. I, I've been spending so much time thinking, well, I can't write about it. I can't write about it because no one knows. Um, and then I thought, nah, <laughs> I'm going to write <laughs> this it. This is it. Yeah, everything it's waiting to be burst out. <laughs> yeah. That's really great. Yeah. So, Thank you. So how did you do the ultrasound then? Months before, weeks before? What was the Oh, it was months line? before. Um, yeah. it, it's, I'd just been sat with that for a long time um a long long time it definitely was just sort of marinating inside me like yeah. you need to talk about this is it the, um, did you write the poem or did the poem come out of you <laughs> yeah no definitely I, it's like um I'm, I'm a strong believer now in telling people how you feel when you feel it um because if yeah in the moment you you just say how you're feeling because I think otherwise it will come out at a later time in a non-relevant way. <laughs> yeah, but how how does it feel then to have to hide the truth for so long and then making it public for everyone? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, very strange and um, upsetting too. I mean, uh, it was hard with my my parents, for example. That was quite difficult, um, and it's taken time, but. I guess like the one problem with Moon Daddy was that I hadn't told anyone and then it was one of the winners in the national poetry competition. So it was a sudden, oh, <laughs> now everyone knows. Um, but I don't, I don't regret it. Um, if I regret anything, it's just not having said anything sooner. Yeah, that's just a, a lifelong journey. Of... Yeah, for sure, sure to communicate with people <laughs> like... yeah yeah one thing i was really interested in is um poetry translation center yeah so they're great um the kind of work you do there yeah i've just finished my residency with them as part of the undertow eight so that was a collective of eight young polylingual poets um and we could be writing primarily in English, but the point was to try and create work that brought in our native tongues as well. Um, and it was brilliant. We we got to go to the National Poetry Library in Manchester and we had some really great discussions. The people that make up that group are all excellent in such unique ways. Um, but yeah, um, with that, that's kind of how I started in my newer work there's a lot of Ukrainian words kind of included and it gave me that sense of like 
permission to to do that and trust that if a reader is uncomfortable or confused that they can you know we have the internet at our disposal you can google what something means and I, I shouldn't feel obliged to only write in English for a readership yeah there's some words in Ukrainian they have like a specific emotional meaning for you you know like um... for, yeah for me definitely I, I tend to the words that I'll have tend to relate to the domestic sphere so types of food or clothing and it's just sort of things that I remember a lot from childhood and from those visits to see my family those words like are special to me because they're words I remember from when I was a kid and I noticed from because Eloise um, writes sometimes in French um, sometimes in English and and I know sometimes the same word can you know like you you'd rather use the french version of that word because it it means more to you in french than mm. in english it's, it's hard yeah. to explain it's... but they're, they're, it's always tricky because i tend to write more in english now for the audience like yes. i have the audience in mind more <laughs> and um but yeah it's also i'm also working towards like getting rid of the audience and writing for myself well, yeah. or people like I, me, I really you know? agree with that I think if you're writing with someone in mind you're maybe not writing honestly um the point is to be true to ourselves and then the people that like that they like that and yeah yeah that's where I stand with it do you plan to translate the words in in the collection or just keep them untranslated I've been talking to Fiona about this. Um, she believes I should have a glossary at the back of the collection so that people can go look um, if they if they feel the need, um, rather than have it translated on the page in a footnote or something. I think that would look a little bit clunky. Um, so definitely considering a glossary. But another part of me is so tempted to be like, no, you just, yeah. <laughs> just keep it thing. mysterious. You don't understand? You yeah. don't understand. Is it in the same alphabet as English? No, it's no. not. <laughs> so it's hard to type up. <laughs> it's it's Cyrillic? It's Cyrillic, yeah. yeah. How how close is Ukrainian to Russian? Um oh, loaded question. <laughs> loaded question. <laughs> um uh they're very different, but we use the same alphabet and there are some words that have the same meaning. Does your love for language uh, include like linguistics? I tried really hard with linguistics. Um, at uni, I tried especially hard. Um, I find it tricky because it feels formulaic and almost scientific, right? Which is my brain does not work like that. Unfortunately, I have poetic logic only. But it could also just be like playing with words or just interest in words oh, in general. Yeah, for sure. Um, in that sense, yes, definitely. And and that's what makes poetry fun, right? Is yeah. that we have time to play with the words before we put them out there. Yeah, I, won I wonder if there's a difference. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of ignorant about that, but maybe linguistics is more like the study of how words are used. And then it's kind of like literature is kind of more like the aesthetics of words and kind of playing with that, disrupting that. Yeah. <laughs> what did you study for your BA? Um, I did English with creative writing. I did that at Goldsmiths as well. 
Um, I'm interested to know what the what your studies brought to you in terms of your writing. Um, a lot, really. Um, I I would would not be where I am without um, my my personal tutor was Jack Underwood. Um, and I studied with him for five years. Um, and Jack's taught me literally everything I know. Um, and I I was very confused when I first started it my undergrad I didn't know what I wanted to do and um, then I began reading the work that Jack would bring to class like contemporary poetry it, it wasn't what we were looking at during A levels it was people writing now and I was so excited and I, I didn't know that that was allowed or like I don't know how to describe it but I didn't know that people would be interested in that and yet I was so interested in it and other people in the class seemed to really engage with it. Hmm. Yeah, how did it feel for you to win the New Poets Prize for Ways of Healing and other prizes? I, I thought it was a mistake. Um, I thought they'd made a mistake. Um, I was so in shock. Um, but it's it's been a wonderful journey. Um, I, For example, that Arvon course I got to go on was part of the prize, and that's afforded me a lot in terms of having met my mentor and um, exploring new spaces um, so that was brilliant and also just having having this out now ways of healing um, it was a scary feeling but also really reassuring that um, people liked it and, and that it does deserve a space to exist in yeah and how's how's that doing how's that it being out in the world it's uh oh it's it's exciting to see like i've had people in america post pictures with it and i'm like oh my god it's made it to the states <laughs> so that's really funny um to me like very surreal um it's nice to have it out there but the one thing is and i, I i've had discussions with people about this and we're all sort of in agreement i i mean i started writing this when i was 21 and i'm 25 now it feels like a very old part of me. Um, something I'm I'm like almost ready to move on from. Um, but it's it's nice to have that like solid object that represents a whole time in your life. Yeah. Very strange. Do you say you're kind of you're kind of thinking about the future of future collections and future themes and do you do, yes. you, think, do you think healing is something that you're gonna continue to explore or do you almost feel like you've no no I think that's something I carry with me um I mean ways of healing looks at healing in the context of child loss um but I now I'm writing about famine and war and there's a whole element of healing that comes in there um I'm, I'm sure that will still I think it was more what I mean by ready to move on is that ways of healing was very personal and I no longer feel the need to put that part of myself out there anymore. Um, I'm, I'm ready to write about other people and other stories. Do you think it was the publication of the book that made you move on? Or is it just the natural curve of growing up and, you know, the evolution of your writing? That's a really good question. Um, I think the publication gives it a sense of finality, right? um like it is done now because it's out there so you can't keep talking about it 
Um, so, so maybe that was like sort of the symbol of that coming to an end. Yeah, with it, in um, with novelists, you know, usually they work years on a book, and then when the book comes out, finally everybody's, you know, the journalists and interviews are interested in asking questions about it, and they're done mm. talking about it. You know, they're done with it emotionally. <laughs> they they want to move on, talk about new things. <laughs> And they're estranged, they're kind of estranged from the content themselves. You know, they're kind of like, oh, I don't know what I was thinking back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I have a similar thing where I'm like, I can't relate to love poems anymore, for example. Um, and there's so many dotted about in that collection that it kind of frustrates me. <laughs> yeah. Does the next collection have a title yet? It does. Yeah, it's still a work in progress, but it's called Birth in Reverse. Birth in Reverse. Creating some uh, some movement towards it, you know, some uh, excitement towards reading your next collection. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah you mentioned you, me you mentioned earlier that um, the the New York Times got in, in touch with you about uh, your writing. Um, how how did they find you? And um, do, do you do you feel kind of um, pressure having to almost kind of represent uh, Ukraine in some, mm. some minor way? They they found me on Twitter because um, at the time the visas weren't being granted to refugees and so my family was still stuck there. Um, so I was tweeting a lot about about that, trying to sort of drum up some some kind of attention towards it. And um, yeah, uh, Megan Spethia, who is a journalist for the New York Times, found my tweet and got in touch and we had a, a long phone call to discuss it um there's definitely a sense of pressure because like earlier you know you were asking how similar are russian and ukrainian that i feel like a pressure like i have to get this right and if i don't get this right i'm letting people down right um so it's really hard <laughs> but um i'm trying <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I do find if I'm kind of stuck on something, I will normally call my mum and be like, so what's your thoughts on this? <laughs> she knows better. Yeah, is your mum Ukrainian then? Yes, yeah. Uh, a poem I really like personally of yours is the, the one you wrote about uh, Chernobyl. Oh, Radiant Summers, yeah. Um, would you mind reading this for us? Yeah, of course. Um, I think I've got it on my phone. Radiant Summers. She laid in the clay of Chernobyl lakes that summer. I think of her when I whiten my teeth, see my shoelaces in a nightclub, her child body glowing on the dance floor. I think of her when I disco, when I denim. I think of her when I pray, although I do not pray. I think of her when a man describes me as radiant. Her small throat turned purple like a walnut. You could see it through her skin, more a veil, hardly protective. Nothing could have protected her. I think of her when I introduce myself as Ukrainian and am met with, oh, Chernobyl. 
I think of how a country, a time, a girl are all defined by disaster. I think of the implications of disaster, meaning unavoidable, the will of God, a nuclear immaculate conception. If I could carry her like a tumour, I would. If I could confer with God, I'd know there isn't one. In his place, a voice of pure panic, white hot and stinging. Wow. Just devastatingly powerful stuff. Thank you. Is... It makes me think all poems are about war now. <laughs> they are. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't. For me, that's not about war, though. Maybe I mean maybe I'm totally wrong, of course. But for me, it's about it's about kind of privilege or and. Mm. Uh, you know, that's that's my reading of it. Is that yeah? Is no, that... I I mean, I'm always thinking about this term disaster because it kind of implies that there's no one at fault, when the reality of so many disasters is that they're not disasters; they are man-made. Um, and I think about that in terms of Chernobyl. I think about that in terms of the famine, and I think about that in terms of the war. I think um, that's why I said war. Is because it's all like the political and human implications. Yes, yeah, that's exactly where where I'm at as well. And I find it very interesting this perspective of like the the outsider, like in in Britain or you know mm. anywhere else in the world that's not Ukraine is like Ukraine. I mean, I'm not talking for every other country, but like Ukraine is Chernobyl, and that's that's uh, you hit that on the nail, you know. Yeah, I mean, growing up, whenever I would mention where I was from, that was usually the response I got. Yeah, um, <clears throat> which made me feel kind of dirty in a way. Like, um, and I think many countries have that misperception, you know. Yeah, non-Western countries in a way. Yeah, it's all like negative feelings, negative, uh, like disasters, as you say, like poverty. Yeah, there's always these negative connotations. Um, yeah, associated. Yeah. Yeah, it. I, I mean, it strikes me as well. There's almost like a kind of, um, you know, this is kind of like a survivor's guilt kind of situation going on mm. there, where you know, when you say like when when someone says that I'm radiant, I think of, you know, yeah. someone being suffering with radiation or something like that. It's yeah. It's um. It's almost like the. the these people are really close to your heart, even in your safety. Yeah, for sure. And it doesn't leave you. And we carry, as Ukrainians, we, we carry these cultural traumas with us always. And yeah. they do, you know, they do influence the everyday. So it was it, it was just it's just something that you've embraced you know you said like it was kind of a, an annoyance when people would bring it up mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's kind of like you know there's more obviously there's more to my culture than <laughs> to my yeah, country and my culture value than that. in discussing that and trying to bring those nuances in um that's what i've really learned the past year of writing this collection um yeah that it needs to be spoken about um it needs to be addressed who in the poem who in your mind was her or she i was thinking of my mother because that's where um she used to summer um in in chernobyl and they'd left 
about two days before the disaster they'd driven home. And I always think of what could have happened if they hadn't. Yeah. I think that's yeah. why I love also you writing about folklore because mm. it's bringing that other gaze as well. It's, it's Ukraine is not just disasters. No, it ha- it's, a, it's such a rich culture of like food and stories and women. Um, I, I find, I, I find it a very admirable culture. Um, and yeah, I'm definitely trying to create this balance in the new work of it's not just all disaster. Like there is beauty to it. Well, we're really looking forward to reading it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And you, yeah, and people listening should really pick up this new poet's prize. Uh, sorry, new poet's prize. Uh, Ways of healing. Yeah. Um, from Charlotte because it is a really, really beautiful collection. And uh, where can you find it? Oh, um, you can get it through the poetry business, Waterstones, Foils um blackwells i think as well if you google ways of healing charlotte shevchenko night you'll find the links and where can we follow you or hear about you oh um my instagram is lottie shevchenko and my twitter is shevchenko night beautiful well thank you for joining us thank you for joining us today (laughs) thank you for having me it's It's been been a it's been a real pleasure it was a pleasure talking to you and uh, yeah see you next time (laughs) yeah thank you for joining us again thank you for listening to poetry to your ears this podcast is published as a newsletter on substack all of our content is published for free But if you would like to support our work, you can become a paid subscriber. This will help us support transcripts for the deaf and hard of hearing community and anyone who would benefit from reading the podcast alongside hearing it. You can also support us for free by rating the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or writing a review on Apple Podcasts. Share the show with your friends, fellow poets and poetry lovers. If you want to interact with us, you can follow us on at poetrytoyouris on Instagram and at poetry2, number 2, your ears on Twitter. Or you can also write a comment on Substack. If you're American and you're listening to us, send us a message. Half of our listeners are American. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time.